0: Heights to the depths of the sea.
1: If I do not the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Look at the fruit of his life, the fruit of Jesus' life. Always in dependence, always in submission to the Father.
0: Every creature is unique in Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. Today we analyze an important statement regarding the deity of Jesus and the nature of the Godhead. When Jesus says, I and my Father, it means that the Father and the Son are not the same person and it refutes the Jesus-only doctrine. When he says they are one, it means that the Father and the Son are equal in nature, in essence, what they really are, refuting the teaching that Jesus isn't God. All his works are done by the Father's direction, and they were good works, not only because they were acts of obedience to the Father, but also because they were acts of blessings to men. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 10 in the Gospel of John.
1: In some capital cities in our country. I love what Texas did with their... uh, um, their heartbeat bill, that it was, they, they banned abortions as soon as the heartbeat, the fetal heartbeat started. And that's a good start. Praise God for them. I love Texas. I do. You know what I'd love to do? I mean, I wouldn't want to leave New York because I wouldn't want to leave all of you. But, you know, can't we just transplant and go move to Texas? Just get a U-Haul thing and just lift this whole building up and transport it somewhere else. Get some helicopters and just take it away. But I love Texas because they have guts. You know, the governor of that state, I'm just like, man, I just want to write, I just want to write that guy a check and say, take you and your wife out for dinner. A good steak dinner, too. You know, the steak in Texas is the best. I've been there because I know. Yes, God knows who those whose of those are his even before conception. In Psalm 139. David says, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You, have, you, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Does God know you? He does. He knows you. He knows the very thoughts. That he says, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it altogether. Before I even speak the word, before I even think the thought, Lord, if you really wanted to tell me what I was going to think in the next 30 minutes, you could tell me right to the microsecond what I'd be thinking about. It probably would be lunch. But notice this. Verse 13 of Psalm 139, You formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb. Oh, Really? So he not only knew, knew you before you were conceived, but while you were being formed in the womb, he's very much intact. He's very much interested. He's very much in control of everything that's going on there, overseeing the whole process. Does that encourage you? I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Notice my frame where my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Does God care about those babies? Yes, he does. I'm so glad for Texas for the heartbeat bill, but they need to back it up even further than that. The moment of conception. That's all we can see. God can see before conception. But at the very least, let's start right the moment there's, con- there's conception. And don't mess with that. Don't ever mess with that. He says, I am the good shepherd. <laughs> Notice that the sheep belong to the shepherd. And they know his voice. They know his character. They know his love. Do you have you experienced the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness, the, you know, the compassion of God? Do you know his voice? Are you learning to know his voice? Do you want to know his voice? I do. I want to know his voice. And every, every time that I hear that still, small voice speaking to me, I want to obey that voice. And notice in verse 16, Jesus says, "...and other sheep I have which are not of, the, of this fold." Them I must also bring, their, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This fold that Jesus is speaking of is the believers in Israel, the Jewish believers. But then he says, there's another flock that I must also bring. That's you and I, the Gentiles. We were grafted in. That We are the wild branch, and Israel is the native olive branch, and we're grafted in. And how much more is God going to bless them if... If through their fall, the Gentiles have come to salvation, we've come to know this Jesus, it's going to be awesome. And the Lord is in control of it all. In Ephesians it says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and as they'd say in Texas, and in y'all. He's in y'all. If you're one of his, he's in y'all. I grew up in Florida, I can say that. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Jesus said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And this command I have received from my father. Notice that Jesus was in complete control. He was not a victim of circumstance. He was not even a martyr. He willingly laid down his life. A martyr is someone whose life is taken from them for whatever cause it is that they have. But Jesus is not a martyr. He willingly laid down his life. He was in complete control. And in fact, for this reason, he came into the world. What did he say in, in John chapter 6, verse 38? He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, Jesus said, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing. That speaks of you and I, sheep. Love that. I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus, in another, in, in, in John chapter 12, he said this, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it's for this purpose I came. I came to this hour for this Purpose. He laid his life down willingly. Nobody took it from him. He set his face like flint to be to be to be baptized in the death that he would be baptized with. He goes, "I have a baptism to be bas- baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished." Do you, do you, can you sense in that in that sentence just a, it, it, he was he was like in labor until it was finally accomplished. That's why in the garden he. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood as the intensity of the pressure, the spiritual intensity that was all about him was happening to him and the agony of it. And he's just like, I just can't wait to get this, to fulfill this. That's why he didn't run from it. He went boldly into death for us. Think of it. He boldly went to the cross. Even Pilate marveled. When Jesus didn't speak to him, finally he just said, behold the man. And I don't think he was just saying, behold the man. I think he was saying, behold the man. No one is like that. I've never seen anything like this. But as a politician does, I wash my hands of this weirdness. And he allows it. And then on the cross, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Does this sound like somebody who is out of control? Does this sound like somebody who is a martyr? No, this sounds like someone who has got everything in control. And how maddening that must have been for the enemies of Christ as they they heard him saying these things. And finally he said, it's finished. What do you mean it's finished? We can keep you on the cross for days if we want to. No, my purpose here is accomplished. See ya. (laughs) He dismissed his spirit. He alone loved that. Man, that just gets you, doesn't it? Every guy, I mean, never mind. (laughs) That's just so male. I'm just so thankful for that. God, he's just such a, uh, he's coming back with a sword, you know. Sword of the spirit of of his mouth. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these things. And many of them said, He has a demon, and why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of a man who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? And the answer, obviously, is no. Demons can't do anything. They're bent on destruction. That's all they can do is destroy. Now, if you look at verse 21 here and verse 22, there's a time period between these two verses that you need to be aware of. You might even want to put in, your, in the margin of your Bible between verse 21 and 22, it's a period of about two months, literally from October, of, uh, which was the Feast of Tabernacles, which we heard about in John 7, and now in the beginning of verse 22, it talks about the Feast of Dedication, which is in December, so that's a roughly two-month period of time between verse 21 and 22. And by the way, in between those two verses are about 20 different events that are recorded in the Bible, things that Jesus did between these two verses. If you were to do a harmony of the Gospels, you would see that. But notice what it says in verse 22. Now, it was a feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. The feast of dedication is what the Jews would call Hanukkah. It's the feast of lights. It was a commemoration of rededicating the temple by Judas Maccabees in 165 B.C., after it was desecrated three years prior to that by Antiochus Epiphanes. And they rededicate the temple and they call it the Feast of Lights. We know it as Hanukkah. The Jews call it Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication. And notice verse 23, Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch and the Jews surrounded him and said, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I already told you. And, do you, and, and you do not believe. So he's affirming, yes, I am the Christ. C- can you see that? Uh, somebody may say, well, he never said I was God. Well, right there, he did. He's been telling them all along. They've been not willing to hear. In fact, that's what the whole Gospel of John is about. That, these, that you may know that the things that you see and hear, are, you know, the, these things that are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life in his name, life through his name, that's what it's all about. He's been telling them, and they have been not listening. But Philippians, it tells us, Paul writing to them says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a doulos, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as man, notice he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even even the death of the cross. Therefore, as a result of his sacrifice, God, his Father, has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. He is God. He's equal with God. We spent a lot of time on that in the first chapter of John, establishing that. That's what makes... Christianity different from any other world religion. Only God came to earth, the creator of all things. He came to earth, manifests himself in mankind, in, a, in, a, in the form of a man, and then died for the sin that we deserve. That's what makes us different from everybody else. And guess what? Everyone is welcome to come to the cross. Every single human being. You've made that choice. May others do as well. But notice, he says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. He's saying this to the religious leaders, the proud Jews who had spent much time in the word of God and claimed to be the leaders and the the men who knew what was going on. And, And yet Jesus says, you are not of my sheep. I don't even know who you are. If there's anything that drives somebody crazy is when they work really hard at something for their own benefit, trying to work their way into the kingdom of God and only to get there and, and, and God say, I, I never knew you. How'd you climb up some other way? You, climbed, you tried to climb up some other way into the, into the pen, but I don't know you and sorry, you're not admitted. Those are those who seek everything but Christ. The Buddhists. The Muslims, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, they all need Christ. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen for that still small voice because God's voice will never lead you into sin and compromise and he won't force you to do anything. Remember that. And God's will will never lead you where the grace and provision of God cannot sustain you. Remember that too. And the voice of God will never ask you to violate his word. If you hear a voice in your head saying, you know, why not steal from your employer? Why not take that thing that's in the the office? You know your boss is a scoundrel. You know he's he's cooking the books and everything like that. He's a criminal. It's okay for you to take that. That's not the voice of God. Because the voice of God says, thou shalt not steal. Notice Jesus says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, notice, the Father has given us to him, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. As the Bible teaches eternal security, there it is. There it is. You are eternally secure once you are in Christ. And it really is a difficult thing to see when I... There's a couple of individuals that I'm thinking of that I've encountered over the years that I think of, they're still struggling with the fact that God can forgive them. They're still kind of wrestling with that. I'm like... You know, you really need to understand that. You need to understand the truth of what the Bible says. Didn't it say in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? What part of that don't you understand? What part of that don't you believe? Why don't you want to believe that? I want to believe that. I don't want to walk around with the guilt. I don't want to walk around with the shame. Does anybody here? Raise your hand if you do. We'll, we'll get you some counseling. No, none of us do. I want to be like the child who just sits in the lap of his father and just believes what my father tells me. That's what he said. I believe it. If you're one of those people this morning that wrestles with eternal security, you need to get over it in a loving way. You need to read this and believe it. Please, set yourself free. Don't longer be shackled to your own works. Trust in his work and believe in it, and you'll be set free. Whom the Son has set free is what? He's free indeed. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And then the Jews took up stones to stone him. They knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew exactly the claim that he was making. And Jesus answered them, Many works I have shown you of my Father, for which of those do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Well, guess what? He never made himself God. He didn't. He is God. He didn't make himself God. Remember what we read in Philippians? He didn't make himself God. He is God. That's who he is. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? And this means a ruler, not literally a god like God in heaven, but it's really a, a someone in authority on the earth. He says, Didn't I say in your law that you are gods? And if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken... Do you say to him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? There it is again. He's equating himself, one, with the Father. And you can look at Psalm 82, verse 6 and 7 for the reference of that. But the word means, yeah, it means Elohim, but it can also mean a judge or a ruler on the earth, and that's the context of it. He says, if, I'm, if I can call you know, the rulers gods or Elohim, and yet I come saying I am the son of Elohim, why don't you believe me? If I do not the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Look at the fruit of his life, the fruit of Jesus' life, always in dependence, always in submission to the Father, never doing things on his own volition, never taking things into his own hands and saying, I'm going to do this because I just feel like it today. No, he wasn't that that, uh, happenstance. Everything that he did was ordered. Everything that he did was in submission. And that challenges me because I need to be like that too. I need to be more prayerful about things. I need to take things before the Lord before I make big financial decisions. Before I do certain things, I better go before Him and ask His permission. Lord, is this wise? Is this good? Therefore they sought again notice to seize Him, but He escaped out of their hand. Why? Because His hour had not yet come. There was a time when he would surrender his life, but it wasn't yet. He still had work to do. Do you believe that God's in control again of what's happening today? It doesn't seem like it, but he is. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's what we need to do. We need to trust in the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. Trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. Our understanding will lead us to a pit. It will lead us to despair. It will lead us to discouragement. It will lead us to a place where that is not good. It will lead us to a pillbox it will lead us, our own understanding will lead us into the bottom of a, of, a, of a bottle. It will lead us into the bedroom of someone that doesn't belong to us. It will lead us into despair. Our own understanding. But trust the Lord. In verse 40 he says, And he went away again into Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. And then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about the man were true. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, the herald of Christ. He was the town crier. Before the king would come, there would be a crier that would go out before him announcing who was coming behind him, the great king of kings. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was the ambassador. He was the crier. He was the one heralding the way for Jesus, making the rough places plain. And many people believed on him there. The people believed what John the Baptist had said without any miracles. John didn't perform any miracles. And yet those in Jerusalem who had seen the miracles of Christ, they didn't even believe him. So do miracles really make, make it or not? Many people say, well, if I just saw a miracle, I'd believe in Christ. Really? Until something else changed your mind. There's something more firm than a miracle, and that's the, the witness in your heart, the Spirit of God.
0: That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John.